Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Thank you and welcome to my fellow OAs and especially to any newcomers or people new to the program or people returning to the program. I'm Trisha Rose H. and I am a grateful, recovering compulsive overeater. And I'm going to start with prayer. Loving higher power, God, as I don't understand you, please help me to share honestly, clearly, and within the time limits. Enough of my personal story that those who are listening can identify and find hope, and about Tradition One in ways that inspire each of us to deepen our understanding and our practice of all of the traditions, especially Tradition One. I I release the results to you, giving thanks in advance that what needs to be said will be said, what needs to be heard will be heard. In your loving names, amen. So, funny story. When I originally agreed to speak at this meeting on this date, it was because it fit of the choices I was given, this was the one that fit into my schedule. And I did not realize at first that this was going to be the third week of the month, and that meant that it was a traditions week for this particular meeting. And when I did realize that I was going to have to figure out how to combine my story with tradition one, I had a little bit of a freak out. um, And then I collected myself. But um, it was a a thing. uh, When I was a newcomer, I always thought that the traditions were boring. Because when I first got here, I was I was pretty young. I was in my 20s. I was in my late 20s, but um, was relatively immature. And um, I, I was skinny and I wanted to stay skinny. And I knew that the steps were the way to do that. So I was very eager to go to meetings that focused on the steps. And I paid attention and I took notes and I highlighted in my big book when I first got here in the late 1980s, we didn't have some of the literature that we have today. In fact, the OA 12 and 12 wasn't gonna come out for another year or two. And uh, so we, I had a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I had the AA 12 and 12. But when the meetings focused on the traditions, I found excuses not to go, or I'd be doodling or looking at who else was at the meeting or zoning out. Because after all, the traditions were just boring and they were about the fellowship and meetings. And I wanted to focus on the stuff that was gonna help me, specifically the stuff that was gonna help me get skinny and stay skinny. So I was pretty self-centered selfish, obsessive, shallow, and vain. You may have heard the quip that many of us came for the vanity, stayed for the sanity. I resemble that remark. My physical, spiritual, and emotional recovery 
and Overeaters Anonymous have all been enriched in just these last few years. And part of this enrichment in my recovery has been a deepening reverence for the traditions. Even to the point of studying the traditions on purpose without even being assigned by my sponsor. Seeking out and listening to podcasts on the traditions, practicing the traditions more mindfully, and speaking explicitly about the importance and the application of the traditions, which is what I'm going to do with tradition one, hopefully, right after I give a little brief description of what my life was like before. So I'm going to qualify. Yes, I am a real compulsive overeater. Just like the real alcoholic described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I have both the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. When I ingest certain kinds of foods or combinations of ingredients, my body reacts to them and develops the phenomena of craving. But even if I avoid those foods and combinations of ingredients because of the obsessiveness of my mind, when I'm left to only my self-will, I can't stay stopped or keep from starting eating those things again. So I could not and cannot consistently control my eating or my weight without this spiritual program. Unfortunately, I would not learn these truths about my condition until I got to OA, which means I had to suffer for over two decades. I experienced shame and pain from my compulsive overeating, from my never-ending struggles to control my eating and my weight, all the way from grade school until I was in my late 20s. It was a hellish pendulum, swinging yo-yo dieting, always either losing weight or gaining weight. I had no idea how to maintain a healthy weight. I did crazy unhealthy things like restrict my calories to 500 or fewer per day, which happens to be well below my basal metabolic rate. I continued to grasp my delusions of control because at least intermittently, I could lose weight. And a few times I even met my elusive goal weight. As long as we ignore the fact that each time I dieted my five foot seven and a half broad-shouldered body down to 125 pounds, I only got to weigh that for about five minutes. And then I would start regaining the weight again. I yo-yoed up to a top weight of over 200 pounds, which was clinically obese. Yet none of this insanity was sufficient to get me to surrender and ask for help until... Da, 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 da. In uh, Veterans Day, or on Veterans Day in 1989, I had my last binge, and it brought me to my knees. For the first and last time in my life, I binged such a massive quantity of food that my body began throwing it back up. Let me be clear. I did not stick my finger down my throat. This was not something I wanted and not something that I was in control of. My body took over and it was in complete rebellion at the horrible abuse that I had put upon it. I was on my knees on my bathroom floor in front of the toilet, vomiting uncontrollably. I could not stop and I was in a dead panic 
that I was going to choke to death on my own vomit. And even worse, someone else would then see the disgusting volume of food in my vomit and know what a glutton I was. In the shame and desperation of that personal bottom, that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, I received G-O-D, the gift of desperation. It was a gift because it gave me the willingness, the willingness to recognize and finally admit that my way of trying to manage my eating and my weight wasn't working. The willingness to ask for help, the willingness to come to OA, the willingness to get a sponsor right away, the willingness to take direction from the literature, from my OA sponsor and from a registered dietitian, the willingness to give up dieting, the willingness to abstain from restricting my daily calories below my basal metabolic rate, the willingness to use OA's tools to help me work all 12 of the steps of OA. Continuing to do these things one day at a time enabled me to maintain long-term abstinence over the next couple of decades. I maintained my abstinence and a healthy weight through a very painful divorce, graduate school, major surgery, financial insecurity, dating, breakups, being physically assaulted, job and career changes, interstate moves, and international travel. I even practiced my OA program and abstained on cruises and came home weighing the same as when I left. In short, the OA program worked for me no matter what my outer circumstances, as long as I faithfully kept working it. However, I stopped working the program when I suffered a catastrophic cognitive impairment followed by a deep and prolonged clinical depression. When I stopped working OA program, I started regaining the weight. I remained in denial about my overeating, weight gain, and the consequences until July of 2018, when my MD brought to my attention that my weight gain and unhealthy lab results showed that I was putting my life at risk. Not only had I developed unhealthily high weight, high body mass index, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and fatty liver, I also had an extremely high level of inflammation that was actually, um, the inflammation actually has a higher correlation with stroke risk than the level of the cholesterol. And mine was through the roof high. So I was pretty darn motivated not to have another stroke and pretty darn motivated to embrace my medically prescribed whole foods plant-based plan of eating. The clinical trials and peer-reviewed research indicated that if I could stay on this eating protocol, it would not only arrest, but could repair and reverse the damage that my overeating and my weight gain had caused. However, I knew that I'm a real compulsive overeater. And no matter how motivated I felt to stick to this medically prescribed plan of eating, I wasn't gonna be able to stick to it 
any better than I've been able to stick to my other diet or food plans when I wasn't doing OA. I had clarity. I need OA. My life depends on it. So I promptly took myself back to OA, acknowledged my relapse, got a sponsor, and inventoried what led to my relapse. Since July 28th of 2018, when I recommitted to OA, one day at a time, I have developed a deeper reliance on my higher power, praying more consistently and more often. I've committed to and followed my medically prescribed whole foods plant-based plan of eating, which meant releasing all meat, all dairy, and many processed foods which I had previously eaten while abstaining. The happy rest of the story on that is in so doing that within weeks, they were headed, all the biomarkers and the important numbers were headed in the right direction. And within months, I was able to be um, in the healthy zone with my weight, with my um with all the important, I'm not going to list them all again, but all of them shifted from the unhealthy zone back into the healthy zone without any pharmaceutical intervention. The prescription was um, the medical food plan and (laughs) the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. I could not have stayed on the food plan lest anybody thinks the magic is only in the food plan. I could not have stayed on that if I were not working this spiritual program. I also practiced the daily step 10 much more promptly and consistently than I had previously and began incorporating ongoing work with steps six and seven, which I had not done previously. And as I mentioned earlier, I've also been engaging more intentionally and deeply with the traditions. Our focus today is on tradition one, Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. The spiritual principle is unity. One of the study habits that several of the big book studies use is to look up key words. So I looked up unity. Oxford Dictionary says unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. And Merriam-Webster pitched in that unity is a state of harmony. Apparently, during the period when I stopped attending to OA meetings because of the catastrophic brain impairment and my deep clinical depression, several of the OA meetings that I had previously attended because they were convenient to where I lived, folded or closed. I have no idea how harmoniously those meetings may have been functioning before they closed, I do know that it was scary and disappointing to me that those groups were no longer functioning or whole when I was ready to emerge from the isolation of my relapse. Tradition one in the AA 12 and 12 discusses how we cannot keep our priceless gift of recovery unless we give it away and that we cannot survive unless we carry that 12 step message and that quote, most individuals cannot recover unless there is a group, and it goes on to explicitly state, it becomes plain that the group must survive or the individual will not. This is in alignment with my personal experience. 
I had clarity that in my isolation, relapse was killing me and that I needed to actively participate in OA meetings. My survival depends on it. Fortunately, a mainstay meeting, which had been around and strong since I had first come into OA over 30 years ago, was still thriving, harmonious, and whole. Is it a coincidence that that particular meeting consistently studies the steps and the traditions? I don't think so. I think the fact that every other week we're reading a tradition from the second edition of the OA 12 and 12, and then focusing our sharing on that tradition is part of what makes that particular meeting particularly strong. The introduction to the 12 traditions in the OA 12 and 12 says, quote, those who have studied them carefully have found that these traditions can be applied effectively to all human relationships, both inside and outside OA. With this in mind, we turn our attention to the traditions, trusting that as we come to understand them better, we will be better able to keep OA strong and healthy and ourselves spiritually fit in the face of all challenges. I began hearing long timers and others with strong recovery and the serenity that I admired share about how they were applying tradition one in their marriages, in their families, in their places of employment and other institutions where they were interacting with others. So I tried applying tradition one in my own marriage and I discovered that putting the common welfare of our marriage above my desire to be right and in front of my bad habit of snapping at my husband when I was stressed or irritated required me to be more prayed up. The more consistently and often I prayed, asking for help to be more patient, tolerant, kind, and loving, the more I was granted the grace to keep my voice calm and respectful, even when I was stressed or irritated. My husband, has noticed and expressed appreciation for these changes. We both feel calmer, more harmonious and loving towards each other. Applying tradition one more mindfully to my participation in OA has also inspired me to pray more consistently and often before and during meetings so that I am bringing a calmer consciousness to the meeting. This is especially important when I'm tired, agitated, or when there's a business meeting, particularly if there's any dissension or controversy with the business at hand, or when I think that I know the right way or the best way that a decision should go. Those are always- Two minutes. Um, so, cruising right along. I'm gonna say, um, listening carefully to the meeting, um, the meeting script, and honoring the things or other ways that I practice um, tradition one at meetings, and I'm gonna run out of time. But two of the things I'd like to recommend, um, because they're so full of good things. Um, the Sunday special editions of a Vision for You meetings, uh, the October 17th 
2021 recording of Lori C. He's discussing a big book perspective on the OA traditions, has a lot of good content on applying the traditions. And the other thing is on the Unity um, website, there is a checklist for unity with diversity. And it's something that we can apply to ourselves as individuals or also take into our meetings to see how we are making ourselves um, more available to have unity within diversity so that we're making everybody welcome, no matter how they practice their program, whether they weigh and measure things or different kinds of things. Um, um, just a, a wonderful bunch of resources. So thank you. And I pass and mute.